Bible, God's holy word. I can be what it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right. I don't know if Kendra chose that song on purpose, but we're in a, our Galatians series. And I was actually studying, I think, chapter number four. Yeah, chapter number four. And this week, and that's when he starts talking about being a child. And again, we know that we don't get our doctrine from our songs. I, this is one of my favorite songs. I love this song. But this thought, because it was, because I did, was in Galatians chapter number four. By the way, we're going to be in Galatians chapter number two. Are you excited we finally made it to chapter two? Seven weeks in. Okay. Anyway, but it, it, it says that... Uh, well, verse, the end of verse number two of the song, when he comes by and by, I'll be his child. But the truth of the matter is, we're his child now. And sometimes I think that's how we operate, as in we're saved and eventually we get to be that. When Jesus comes, that's when we get it. No, we, we have it now. And that, that really is a very uh, high, one of the pillars of Galatians, of what Paul is trying to teach the Galatians and uh, correct the Judaizers about is that no well while you're trying to become you're trying to become the son of God the problem is you already are so quit trying because you are but anyway we're in Galatians chapter number two we're going to look at the first ten verses it says in verse number one then fourteen years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that, because of false brethren unaware, brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat of conference added nothing to me. But counterwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcised was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcised was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually to Peter, to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, we're thankful that you allowed us to gather this morning. Lord, just pray that you'd be honored and glorified, dear Lord, as we dive a little bit into the benefits of the gospel, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Everything kind of gets 
seeps together. And, and I know that it, it's of the Lord because on Sunday nights we're, we're looking at how to be an effective witness. Paul was an effective witness. And, and people say, well, you know, it's, it's just hard now. It's just hard now. And, and I know I'm going to m- mess it up because when I said it the first time I had it written down. Uh, but, but just think about this. Paul was presenting Jesus just a couple of decades after the Jews and the Romans killed him for all of the strife that he was stirring up and, in their opinion, the false doctrine that they were teaching. And so here's Paul presenting this criminal to the Jews that killed him and to the Romans that didn't care about him one way or another. But he was a criminal. And saying, hey, this person that the Jews killed for being a criminal that you couldn't care less about is the savior of the world. You're telling me that's not hard? I'm not saying that we don't have our hardships today. What I am saying, it's always been hard. And so how did, as we're looking at that on Sunday nights, how did Paul reach the world when it was so hard? Sunday school. Uh, this morning we talked about being a child of the God. And like I said, we're going to get to that in, in a couple of weeks because we see that in Galatians chapter number four. But th- we think that, oh, we, we got saved and we've got our fire insurance and we get to go to heaven and that's where salvation ends. And that's so the bottom step, if you will. That's, that's the first rung on the ladder. I mean, if, if that's all we got, then that would be wonderful. But much like, and I used this illustration in Sunday school, much like we use uh, asphalt and dirt and drywall for building materials in heaven that's gold and Precious stones. I mean, the things that we hold so precious on earth is building material in heaven. And the thing that we hold so precious about salvation is, honestly, it's the least of God's concerns. God's like, I've got, I've got so much more for you than just, now you get to, be, now you get to go to heaven. And that's what Paul is trying to get across to these people. He says, there are all kinds of benefits of the gospel. But here in the verse number one, Paul jumps ahead 14 years from the end of chapter number one to the beginning of chapter number two. He fast forwards, if you will, 14 years. And now it is, he's took Titus, who again, we realize, and we're going to dive into more details, a Gentile. But he took him back to Jerusalem, training him, whatever, uh, before Titus takes the church that Paul hands over to him. And he's relaying the story of how, and again, we're going to look at this in more details, but basically, the Jews didn't accept Titus. There was a very large group in the Jewish church in Jerusalem that didn't accept Titus. Now, he says that James... Peter, James, and John, as was referred to as Cephas, but we know that that's Peter. They, they accepted him. 
And he's talking to the Galatians again because the Galatians understand exactly who Titus is. That Titus was a Greek. He was a Gentile. He makes reference to it here that he wasn't circumcised. Okay, And again, chapter number one, that's one of the big deals that the, the, these Judaizers that came into the Galatians, the same ones that were at Jerusalem, the same ones that came to Antioch, now they're in Galatia. They, they haven't changed their pitch that, hey, you, if you're going to serve God, you've got to live a certain way, you've got to look a certain way, so on and so forth. One of the things they're saying is you have to be circumcised. So Peter is using him as an, uh, Peter, Paul is using him as an example of saying, you guys know who Titus was. These people didn't accept Titus way back then. Peter, James, and John did accept him. They still do. You guys know Titus. He's a good guy. He wasn't circumcised. And so what these Judaizers did when, they, when they're coming in here telling you these things is they're telling you that Titus isn't a Christian or at least isn't a good Christian. He's using that as an illustration because they know Titus. See, the gospel is to the entire world. And again, for thousands of years of human history, it was only... It was only to the Jews. God only talked to the Jews. You do, I mean, when we read about the prophets, you do realize that uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel, and Hosea, and Habakkuk, and Amos, and Obadiah, and, and all those guys. Saul. I mean, not Saul, Samuel. Eli. Aaron. I mean, <laughs> Moses. God only talks to the, they're Jews. And so now all of a sudden you're telling me that anybody can talk to God? No, that that's, sounds a little far-fetched. That seems a little, I mean, that just seems wrong. And they're struggling with this fact that, any, that the gospel is to anybody. And so they're looking for, well, there, there has to be qualifications. There has to be. And so they're putting on these stipulations on, okay, if you want God's power and God's blessing and you want to prove to me, that's what it boils down to, is you have to prove to me that God is talking to you. And by doing that, you have to meet my expectations. And then we're, I'm, I'm not getting on to the Jews because let's be honest, how much of the New Testament would we understand if we never had the New Testament? If all we had was the Old Testament. Again, we're, the New Testament wasn't written yet, written yet because they were living it. And Paul is reiterating that the message that he has, the confidence that he has, comes from chapter number one, which is, comes from God. I'm not trying to pull one over on you. I'm not trying to do a bait and switch. Then They are, but I'm not. I'm trying to be honest with you. Do you know what the, in my opinion, the biggest problem in Christianity today is that we don't necessarily know what the gospel is, is that we're afraid to be true to it. Because 
Because the gospel is simple. Last week, what is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus. Just be true to Jesus. Whatever that means. And the problem is, is there's leeway in that. Because, hey, just like I can't see if you're saved or not. Again, Lot. Lot never did anything that you would ever think that he was a saved person. Not one thing. Yet he's in the hall of faith and the Bible says that he vexed his righteous soul. Paul, a lot was saved and you would have never thought that he was. We're, we're constantly looking for things to prove ourselves. I got nothing to prove to you. You got nothing to prove to me. Again, we're a child of God. Now, standing here today. So now go live like it. Not, because we're a child of God, not prideful. Well, we don't have to constantly be worried about things. Just do what God wants you to do. That's why it's imperative that we get in the scripture. So many times we think the gospel is a, to reform us. It's a reformation. I, you guys have figured out by now, I'm, I, I hate religion. Religion is man's attempt to get to God, and you can't get to God. Protestant. Our Baptist Protestant. I don't think so, but that's, some people will tell you that they are because they're not Catholic. I tell people this all the time. I, my lineage, whatever label you want to put out, my spiritual lineage, lineage hated the Pope before it was cool. Because the Reformation made it cool to hate the Pope. I hated the Pope long before that. I couldn't care less about the Pope. It's not about Reformation. Me and Kendrick talk about this a lot throughout the week. It seems like we're constantly in a... a, a in this, and I realize it's a small bubble within this small bubble of Baptist fundamental Christianity, we're constantly trying to reform. I'm not trying to reform nothing. I ain't worried about it. Because if, if history, both spiritually and politically, has taught us anything, Reformation doesn't work. I mean, the Martin Luther came along, he tried to reform the Catholic Church, and we've got Lutheranism. And please don't tell a Lutheran this, but with an open mind, look at it. There's not very much difference. Brother Mother went to the funeral, and they were, what did you say, Episcopal. They look Catholic to him. We have all these different religions that came out of the Reformation of the Catholic Church it didn't work. It looked the same today. So the gospel is not about a reformation. It's not, oh, you know, I used to be Catholic, I got saved, and now I'm Baptist. That's, that, that's reformation. That's not what we're talking about. Talking, you're a child of God. 
it's not our old life changed. It's a completely, totally different life. Spiritually speaking, God took your passport, your birth certificate, and your driver's license and gave you a completely different one. You talk about, you know, criminals, they are constantly on the run, and so they have to get fake IDs. Change their identity. That's what Satan was after you. God saved you, and so God gave you a completely different identity. And when that happens, if it, on an earthly level, when a criminal gets a new identity and it works the way that it's supposed to, guess what? They live like they're free. God gave you a new identity. Now go live like it. Look at verse number three. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that, because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that we might bring us in to bondage. Again, so he uses Titus as this example. They knew who Titus was. Titus was a godly man. He wasn't a Jew. And so they would, they're trying to make Titus, who was never a Jew, follow the Mosaic law that was never given to him. To prove what? How many times in, in our life did, have we done or unintentionally done to us trying to give something to somebody that was never for them? Now again, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the, the importance of the law and the reason for the law. I'm not saying that the law, the Mosaic law is unimportant, but what I'm saying is it was never given, never given to the Gentiles. There are some things that God gives to us that isn't given to everybody. He gives some of us different, he gives each and every one of us different gifts. Some teachers, some preachers, some evangelism, some of giving, so on, and on and on and on. If God gives us different gifts, he expects us to use what he gives us differently. So everything that he gives us isn't for everyone. Isn't for everyone. And again, it, and, but that's a good thing. There are some things that God gives you. Think, think about this. Holy, perfect, all-powerful God gives you something. Again, your, your, your father. I have three boys and a girl. But sometimes I give one of them something. It's not for the rest of them. It's for one of them. Some, sometimes they get everything. Sometimes they all get the same thing. But sometimes it's just for them. It's special between me and that. That means something. If you, when you, you were growing up, up as a kid and you had more than, obviously I'm an only child, but if you grew up and you weren't an only child, so probably some of the most special times is when it was just you and your mom or you and your, your brothers and sisters weren't there. 
Why? Because it's just you. Completely about you. For, for once in your life. Mr. Cole's always talking about how we, how we had to fight for his food. Hopefully, once in a while, it was just him and one of his parents, and he didn't have to worry about anybody else for a brief period of time. And that's probably one of the most special times in the world. It's just for you. Verse number six, but of those who seemed to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. These people, Paul was on the fast track to be in the next high priest. Got knocked off his high horse, spent three and a half years on the backside of the desert. Again, he, he was taught by the most important person in Jewish culture at that time was his rabbi. That was his teacher. I mean, the, uh, Paul went to Harvard Law, okay? I mean, that's basically the equivalent here. Then he spent three and a half years being taught by God. And along comes somebody, and again, I realize that we can learn something from everyone. But what Paul is saying here is, is they didn't, they're telling me something and it didn't add anything to me. I didn't learn anything from them. They, well intentioned but misguided. At, at, the, at the best, that's what they were. Maybe they weren't even well intentioned. God doesn't judge the external. What? Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. And again, I can only see the outside. So I'm not saying that the outside isn't important. But what I am saying is this. Think about this. Outside is doing. I can only see what you're doing. You do something, you do something. I, I can only, the doing. The inside is the being. God's more worried about the being than he is about the doing. He didn't save us so we could do better. He didn't save us so we could do more. He saved us so we could be his son. It's not about do, it's about be. That's what, again, what Paul is trying to get across to them. The gospel, being a Christian, is about who I am in Christ, not what I can do for Christ. Now, again, the do, there's a lot of things that he asks us to do. He asks us to do those things because of what we are in him, what we are to him. So many times where we get the cart before the horse. James says, you know, uh, I'll show you my faith, what? By my works. But he talks about faith before he talks about works. We can all look good and 
look pretty and look like a good Christian and not be. This is where this is where we, the the Jews will will the Judaizers and even people today that some people refer to as legalistic would start having issue. But the, this is the key, okay? Because I am a child of God. Romans. It's the most obvious thing. It's the only logical conclusion to come to. Because I'm a child of God, I'm going to live the way that He wants me to. That's just that. I'm, there's no other conclusion to come to that makes logical sense. There's people that they, to this day, they can't wrap their head around it. I've got to have all these rules and these regulations and these lists and, and so on and so forth to make sure that no. If you're if someone isn't living the way that God wants them to live, and again, you and I we can't judge the inside. We can only judge the outside. But if someone isn't living the way that God wants them to live, I would challenge them and tell them they better look at their life and make sure they really are saved. Because if you're not living the way that God wants you to live, that's what Paul's saying. The gospel is beneficial because it frees us culturally. It frees us culturally. If salvation depends on our rules, then our rules must be very specific. Think about that. If, it, if our salvation depends on on rules, then the rules better be super, super specific. Can I tell you something? I try not to be. It's, it's my natural sinful nature, if you want to use that word. I'm really good at finding a way around rules. And it's just, I don't, it's not like I do it on purpose. I'll give you an example. When I was up in Alaska working at a teen camp, they had a game where, where you've got to throw uh, uh, axes and hatchets into the wood. And we were on the side. We're in the half of a mountain in Alaska, okay? And so there's nothing funnier than, you know, trying to make sure. Because there's, the first camp was four to seven-year-olds. Can I tell you, there's nothing funnier than trying to teach a four-year-old how to throw a hatchet without hurting you or hurting himself. I mean, it's just, anyway. <laughs> and so, long story short, they just said that you had you had to throw the hatchet. Well, everybody is you know standing probably ten feet away from the chunk of wood throwing the hatchet, and you know you 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 run up and you have to pull it back out and run back. You see how many times you can get it to stick in a certain period of time. Well, no one said no one said how far back you had to stand. Well, you know how many valuable seconds you're losing running back and forth ten feet. So I, I threw it, I ran up there, I grabbed it, I took a step back, and I threw it, took a step back, and I, I blew everybody away. But no one said what the rule was. Well, that's just me. I can find a way. So you've got to make the rules super specific. 
if we're dependent on rules. That's what I'm saying. What does God say? God says, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. What, 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 do the, what do the Jews come back and say, well, you know, God, okay. Who's my neighbor? Or they, they want super specific. Your neighbor's anybody you run across. Again, I think we know that. See, who's your neighbor has, it's in, in possibly high with endless possibilities. Love your neighbor. We want to be very specific. We, we, we want to uh, go here, do that, don't do that, don't do... Love your neighbor. Love God. These are very broad. Because what, what happens if you don't love your neighbor? Well, if, if our salvation is based on the rules, we don't love our neighbor, then we don't go to heaven. And the rule is very broad. How do we know if we've kept that rule? Again, the Judaizers are, are trying to convince people that you can't be a Christian without abandoning the culture and accepting Jewish traditions. If that, if, if that were true, then again, the Jews were the only ones that could get saved. Someone from a, if someone from a different culture has to be accepted, guess what? Their traditions have to be accepted. Their traditions, their, their way of life has to be not sinful, but practically their way of life has to be accepted. I heard when I was in Bible college, there was a veteran missionary that he lost his support because he didn't take a strong stand against Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first the original cartoon from the 90s, okay? That one, not the... He got on the questionnaire. What is your opinion against Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? He's been in Africa for 20 years. He has no idea he was relaying the story. He has no idea who the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were. He said, I don't, know, I don't know who they are. The pastor wrote back and said, well, we're not going to support you anymore. You don't take a strong stand against the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He has more guts than I probably do or should. Or he wrote back and he says, well, I, you know, I apologize. Obviously, independent, you can do whatever you want, but he said, just let me know some of the things that, I, that, I'm, that I'm taking a strong stand against. I'm taking a strong stand against infant sacrifices and public nudity. That's, that's the culture that I'm in. There's different cultures everywhere. And if we expect only certain people, they have to fall into this little group of our culture. See, but the gospel frees us from that. 
How many of you would agree that? Read the New Testament church. How many of you want to? I would love to, to be honest with you. I would love to. I would love to go back to the New Testament church. I would. How many of you see Sunday morning service in the New Testament church? Anybody? Sunday night service? New Testament church anywhere? Wednesday night. I mean, we know they got together on Wednesday night to pray. What's it say? They, they were in church every day. Like I said, I would. One, one of my goals is to be able to get there one day of having an activity at church every single day. Not that everybody has to come to every activity. I wouldn't expect that. But that there's something going on at the church, at the house of God every single day. There's life. I mean, the church is a living organism. There should be life inside of it. So, Bible Institute and, and, and teen activity and men's activity and ladies' activity and family activity and couples' activity. And like I said, I understand that not everybody, and I wouldn't want everybody to come to everything, but that there's always something going on at church. That's the New Testament church. I would love to get there. But can I just be a little bit frank and honest with you? I can't even get people to come Sunday night or Wednesday. Do you really think that you're going to come? If I, if I have something, do you really think that you're going to come? <coughs> just be honest with you. Our culture today says that, you know, you got to have Sunday, Sunday school, then you got to have morning worship, and then you have Sunday night, and then you have Wednesday night, which, by the way, we got that from the Catholic Church, but that's another story in and of itself. But you know, there, there are places that, I mean, there are places where they go to church on different days. There are places where they don't sing these songs. They never even heard these songs. Now, there's nothing wrong with the songs that they sing. A, they're not in English. I mean, it's different. It's culturally different. They use a different instrument. Maybe, maybe they use a I mean, piece of bamboo with holes in it that would be very close to a flute. Again, I don't know much about music, but I'm guessing. But they're saved. See, too many times we think that the American way is the Bible way. And as, as, as Americans, both spiritually and by the way, you guys know I don't try to preach too much on politics, but politically, we need to realize some things. Do you, do, you want, do you want to know why the vast majority of the Stan brothers and Iraq and Iran and Jordan and all of those places and the vast majority of Asia, they don't have a government that is like the American government or the, like the Western government? Can I be frank and blunt and honest with you? And I'm using this as a point. Because they don't want it. They don't want it. Now, why they don't want it, I don't know. But they, the reason why is because they don't want it. Because if they wanted it, they could have it. How many, I mean, Russia invaded how many of the different countries? Russia has a generally a Western philosophy of politics. They don't want it. I mean, we've been in the Middle East for how long? Off and on trying to shove it 
down their throats, and they turn around and they look at us. They're like, we, we don't want it. Why? Because they're different. And if we, just like if we go to those places and try and shove a political system down their throat, if a missionary goes there and shoves the American spiritual system down their throat, it's not going to work. It's a good thing that the gospel frees us. We, we constantly think that our way is the most right way. And we've taken, again, this political way of thinking, and we've taken the world's way of thinking, and it's seeped or it's been brought, one of the two, but somehow it's, it's, it's in our system of church today. We think that we're, well, we would never use this word, but we're better than everyone else. Because after all, I'm American. After all, I'm saved. I joke with people about not, about, about not drinking coffee, you know. I don't, I'm saved, I don't drink coffee. Well, you know, I drink coffee and I'm saved. Yeah, but I'm separated. Well, I thought I was separated. Yeah, but I'm sanctified. But the truth, the truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, well, that's a silly illustration and a fun little tidbit. There's people that they honestly... They may not even be able to admit it to themselves, but deep down, when rubber meets the road, that's what they believe. The gospel can go into any culture and be understood. If, if what you're bringing to people and it can't be understood, it's not the gospel. Because the gospel can be brought into anything and it can be understood. Not necessarily accepted, but it can be understood. So culturally, the gospel brings freedom to who we are in him to be more like him and less like what we want. Religion wants to control how people act. Go home and just briefly study out, pick up several religions, but study out. They're constantly talking about how you got to control people, control people, control people. We just had Christmas a few months ago. This is, this is absolutely shocking to me. Do you know that some people don't open up their stockings on Christmas Eve? I don't even know if they're saved. I'm joking. Hey, here's, here's one for you. Do you know some people, they make their kids wait till like Christmas night, like six o'clock at night on Christmas. They don't get to open their presents on Christmas morning. They have to wait till Christmas night. That's cruel and unusual punishment. You know some people that don't even celebrate Christmas? Some people have a tree. Some people don't have a tree. Some people are right with God and put their tree up the day after Thanksgiving, and some people wait till the day before Christmas. I'm picking on it. I'm just teasing her. What am I saying? There's different things. Hey, I don't care where you put up your tree. I shouldn't even care if you had a tree. Culture. There, there are things that are definitely culturally different 
even in our church. The Bible says something is sin, it's sin for everybody. We understand that. But there's a lot of leeway in the Bible. So we're not, we're not talking about sin. Take the principles of the Bible and the leading of the Holy Spirit and go live your life the way that God wants you to live it. Live like a child of God because that's what you are. Second thing is emotional freedom. Emotional freedom. Trying to keep up with moral behavior puts us on an endless treadmill of guilt and insecurity. Have you been there? I've been there sometimes. I got to do the next good thing and the next good thing and the next good thing. Guess what? It, it, you're, you're never getting anywhere. You ever seen the, the, the hamsters in the hamster wheel? They, they can get that thing going really, really, really fast. But they ain't going anywhere. And they're putting a lot of energy and a lot of activity. But nothing's ever getting done. Always trying to please God and worried about if we did please God. Again, I've said it. Hopefully you've, it's, it's gotten through our thick heads because I know I've got a thick head. We can't do anything to please God. We can't do anything more than we already have done to please God. So that, again, that's not what Paul's talking about. Performance is not the basis of acceptance. Contrary, listen, contrary to everything else, in the, again, sin messed up our thinking. You have a job. If you don't do your job good enough, guess what happens? You get fired. Sales. You don't have enough sales? Done with. I mean, everything. School. If you don't get good enough grades, what happens? You get held back. You're not accepted into the next grade. We are so used to everything else in our world that our performance is based on our acceptance that again, I think it's unintentional, but it just came into the church. That's not what it is. You, didn't, you, were, you were just accepted of God because he loves you. You didn't do anything. And again, you didn't do anything to get it. You can't do anything to keep it. Sports, grades. All of these things get unintentionally sends the message. That performance is the basis of acceptance. That, that cannot happen in the church. Love each other the way God loves us. The way Jesus loves us. Again, we talked about that in Sunday school. If we could take a snapshot. Don't raise your hand. Don't say it out loud. But in your mind, go back to the last thing that you did that you knew you weren't supposed to do. Think about this for a second. If we could take a picture and f at that picture, at that moment in time, we're saved. God sees us as perfect and just and holy.
Now, fellowship is broken until we confess and repent of that sin. But our status before God hasn't changed. He still sees us as Jesus, as perfect and as holy. That's how much God loves us. So the next time that someone doesn't do something that we would prefer them to do, love them like Jesus does. Can I tell you, I always love my kids. Sometimes I tease Kendra and say, well, that, 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 he's yours. Whenever they do something silly. They do something silly, they're Kendra's. When they do something naughty, they're mine. I have yet to figure that out, but she always blames me when they're naughty. I always love my kids, but I'm not always accepting of their behavior. You can, if you had kids, hopefully you understand that statement. You've been around kids. I'm not okay with everything they do. Acceptance is not approval. There's a difference between acceptance and approval. I have to, I have to accept the fact that they did something they weren't supposed to do. Why? Because if I don't accept it, I'm denying reality because it happened. Okay? It happened. He got mad at his brother and smacked him with the truck. No, they didn't really do that. I'm just saying. I, it happened. But just because I have to accept it doesn't mean I approve of it. We are not accepted by God because of our behavior. Trust me, there are lots of things that I do that God doesn't approve of, but I'm still accepted. When we say our behavior is the standard of acceptance... That's another gospel. Again, if you're living the, if you're saved, you're living your life the way that God wants you to live. You're hey, we don't do to be pleasing, but it's not about the do. Because I do do. Simply because I'm loved. Live out your life simply because he loves us. Everything you do, do it because God loves you. His kids, think you, you be honest with me. Is it easier to obey your parents because you love them or because if you don't, they're going to inflict punishment on you? Now, sometimes it's because they're going to inflict punishment on you. But that's not going to last forever. And by the way, that builds resentment. If you obey simply because you, you're loved. Hey, I don't, I don't understand why I can't run out in the middle of the street and grab my ball. It's my ball after all. Mom, Dad won't let me get my ball. I don't understand it. But because I know they love me, I won't do it. 
guess what? The day is going to come when you understand why you can't run into the street to grab your ball. And it's a whole lot easier to accept that and to do that because they know you love you. Look at verse number 10. Only they would not that we should remember the poor, that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. The gospel is beneficial for us to do what we're supposed to do. No matter our differences, I've said it before, this is the huddle. We've got to go out and run the play. Everyone's job depends on everyone doing what they're supposed to do. Listen, unfortunately, I can't do everything that God wants me to do unless you do everything that God wants you to do. Because you know what, there's somebody out there that, because I went to Bible college, because I furthered my education on scripture, and because I have the opportunity to always be surrounded by that, there's somebody that's going to need my help. That you can't give to them. But you know what? I'm not going to be able to get to them unless you bring them. Bring them to church. God wants me to help that person, and I can't help that person until that person gets to me, and I can't get to that person without you. Everyone, same thing can be said, vice versa. Maybe there's someone that needs help in the, in the business world. I've never been in the business world. But if I can get them to church, and the fellowship of the church and talking and they can open up to someone who has. And you can't fulfill your job without me just like I can't fulfill my job without you. That's the work of the gospel. And if we're so hung up on this is the way that it's always been done. I mean, I know there's... It doesn't doesn't make a... Lick of sense to me, but this, this, this is the reasoning of some people. Well, you know, my great-grandma and grandpa, they only went to church on Sunday morning, and my grandma and grandpa only went to church on Sunday morning, and my parents only went to church on Sunday morning, so I'm only going to go to church on Sunday morning. Because it's the only way that's ever been done. We've got to do more. I'm sorry. You know what a rut is, right? It's a grave with the ends dug out. And if we're, are we spiritually dead because we're stuck in our traditions and we expect everyone to do exactly what we want them to do? This is the huddle. We've got to go out and run the play. Guess what happens when the play doesn't run right? Guess what? Someone did something 
they weren't supposed to do. They didn't run the play right. Watch a baseball game. Pitcher doesn't throw the ball in the right spot. Guess what? The catcher can't get it. And the catcher panics and well, he's running to go get the ball at the backstop. The guy's running from first base to second base. He panics. He overthrows the second baseman and the guy runs to third base. You better pray that the outfielder doesn't panic. Otherwise, the guy's going to score. Why? Because everybody's job depends on somebody else's doing what they're supposed to do. See, the problem with this idea that performance is acceptance is this. When we have a performance-based idea in church, it leads to people thinking that someone's job is more important than someone else's. Again, don't raise your hand, but be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself first. Second, how many of you think my job is more important than your job? That's human nature. Well, he's the pastor. So his job's more important to the the church than my job is. It's a different job, but it's not more important. How many of you think that Brother Mater or Mrs. Mater or Kendra or Debbie, well, they're Sunday school teachers and leaders in church or Linda fills in sometimes. How many of you think that their job is, well, their job is more important than my church? No, it's not. The Coles do the bulletin. Well, their job's more important than mine because I don't do the bulletin. By the way, I'm thinking about the bulletin. No one's job is more important than anybody's others. It's just different. And everybody needs to do their job for church to be healthy. What What happens when a piece of your body isn't doing what it's supposed to do? Ask Brother Mater. He's got a whole one side that isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Hip, knee, ankle, everything. Gosh. I keep telling him to get out his chainsaw and just... Well, it's, it's not... It. Obviously, he's hobbling around and he's getting better, but it's, it's not correct. Every single one person in church today is going to run across somebody this week that needs the gospel. Are you going to give it to them? And the second thing is, is we need to present it in such a way that they'll accept it. I can look at and say, you know, well, this person needs the gospel. They're on their way to hell. But if I say, you know what, you're going to die and split hell wide open. Did I present the gospel to them? Probably. For the sake of argument, let's say I did. But they're not going to accept it. The gospel balances us. The gospel balances us. How many of you are like me and you have a tendency to be one extreme or the other? One, I mean, one extreme to the other extreme. The gospel balances us. Before I got married, you, you, you can ask Kendra. I was a mess, obviously. But no, I, you guys know, again, know 
OCD, okay. Again, I, I wasn't married. I could spend my money on me. I, was, I could be selfish. I didn't have to worry about a wife or kids or anything like that. But you know, I, I had my basketball shoes, okay? I had my indoor basketball shoes for wood floor. I had my indoor basketball shoes for tile floor. I had my indoor basketball shoes for concrete floor. Plus, I had my outdoor basketball shoes for concrete or asphalt, wet or dry. You need a different tread pattern to get the best traction so you don't hurt yourself. I mean, honestly, you do. Now, that's extreme. <coughs> Obviously, you need the right equipment. You're not going to go out. You're not going to go out and play basketball with football cleats. With the tendency to go one extreme or the other. And that doesn't, that doesn't have to do anything. Hey, I, I, yeah, I had to have soccer cleats and football cleats and baseball cleats when I was in college because they're different sports. You can't, have, you can't wear the same cleats. I mean, after all, if, if I, <laughs> I... I may not be in the major league, but I can at least look like I'm a professional, right? I mean, that's, that's the thinking when you're 18 years old and you're dumb. How many churches drop truth for unity? They're all around the city. They're all around our state. They're all around the country. They're all around the world. They drop truth for unity. There are some people I can't fellowship with, and I can't fellowship with them if they preach a false gospel. Can't happen. Religion when taken full circles, leads us back to us. Religion never leads to Jesus. It always leads back to us. Well, if we do this, then I'll be acceptable. I'll be pleasing. Follow down the trail, it always comes back to me and us and my opinion and my thinking and the way I want things to be. How many of you realize that if you were in control, there would be no problems on earth? I mean, let's be honest. I tell people that all the time. Let me be president for 24 hours and I can solve all the problems. And you could too. So we think. Relationships with Christ is the only basis to fellowship in church. Is someone saved? Do I like everything they do? No. Kendra's a Wisconsin fan. I don't like that. I married her. But I don't like it. Ask yourself this question. If Christ accepts it, then I ha can I accept it? If Christ accepts it, I have to accept it. That's a hard pill to swallow. Whether I like it or not, The bottom line, again, do we have a relationship? Do we have a relationship? My opinion, if you have a relationship with God, then there are certain things that are going to happen.
if Sir 